Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome into Outkick the Show. I am your fearless leader, Clay Travis. Yes, it is early today. Yes, things look a little bit different. I am coming from my hotel room in LA, going early today because I got to take care of a bunch of stuff out in LA for the rest of the day. Hope all of you are having a fantastic day wherever you may be across this great country or this great land. We have got a lot to react to from the weekend that just took place in college football and in the NFL. So let's go ahead and dive right in, get things rolling again. Early morning, relatively for some of you on the West Coast anyway. Uh, middle part of the day for the rest of you, but early regardless. I'll be on Lock It In live from the Fox Studios in LA. Update on the push-up challenge. I rolled out of bed this morning, immediately knocked out 61 push-ups. You'll remember that I have bet Joel Klatt that I can do 50-plus. We're going to have maybe a live stream of the push-up challenge on Wednesday on the Fox Sports lot. And I got to tell you, Joel Klatt's going to be donating $1,000 to charity. This isn't even going to be remotely difficult for me to pull off. It is going to be insanely, insanely easy. I am kind of deciding, should I take a rest day tomorrow or should I knock out 66 just to make sure that there's no doubt at all that I can knock out 51? I haven't really decided, but so far it's been absolute cake. A lot of rest suggestions. Lots of suggestions that I should take the day off, and maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll knock out another 61 tonight, and then uh, and then rest, uh, and then uh, and then be ready so that I'm fully ready to just wreck Joel Klatt's universe by being a supreme athlete that he could never comprehend uh, at the age of 40. All right, uh, here we go. All right, somebody just complained. What did I just look down? I happened to just look down. Let me see if I can get this guy. Uh, and I'm going to block him. I happened to look down, happened to look down and say, see a guy before I even started talking, saying horrible topics today. If you're new to Outkick the show, the show that I do on Periscope and Facebook, you will know that the number one rule is, one, I don't read very many of the comments, but two, if I happen to look down because I was seeing, hey, what do people think? Should I rest? Or should I roll and continue to do the push-ups every morning? Uh, and I see a guy complain about the topics already. And we haven't even started. There are a tremendous topics to dive into. And I had to go ahead and pull a Clay Kyle and wipe him out. you got to respect the topics. It's a free show. One guy sitting in front of a camera with a microphone on, talking, doing his thing. All right, let's dive right into it. Uh, I want to begin with the most overrated coach in the history of college football, effectively now failing on a transcendent level relative to expectations in Michigan football coach Jim Harbaugh. I thought that the biggest storyline of this weekend in college football was Penn State getting to 7-0 outside of the Tua injury, which we're going to get to in a moment. But Jim Harbaugh, for a fifth straight year, is not going to win the Big Ten East. For a fifth straight year, he is not going to be in the Big Ten Championship. 
game for a fifth straight year, he is not going to be able to contend for the playoff. This guy arrived in Ann Arbor, Jim Harbaugh did, as the second coming of Urban Meyer, as Nick Saban incarnate. Michigan fans believed he was going to make them relevant on the national stage in a way that Brady Hoke and Rich Rod hadn't been able to do, certainly. And even back in the day, Lloyd Carr hadn't been able to do. And what happened instead? Absolute collapse by Michigan yet again. They fought harder down the stretch of this game, but they got down 35-0 against Wisconsin. They went on the road and they got down 21-0 against James Franklin and Penn State. And now, barring just total chaos in the Big Ten, Michigan is eliminated from winning the Big Ten East for a fifth straight year. And this year, they are eliminated before they even get to the month of November. Meanwhile, the question for Penn State is going to be, can they get past the bugaboo that is Ohio State? They've lost the last two by one point. They won three years ago by three points. I tend to think Ohio State is the class of the Big Ten, but we'll see. In the meantime, Penn State's got a tough game on uh, Saturday against Michigan State. So I'm curious to see how everything is going to shake out. Uh, as we go forward, but I don't even think there's any people who are disputing it anymore. Remember, for a long time when I said, hey, Jim Harbaugh is insanely overrated, people came out and they would battle me over it. Have you noticed how, as I've been proven correct about Jim Harbaugh being the most overrated coach in the history of college football, everybody has just shut up, everybody has gone silent, and all of it has completely vanished in terms of criticism surrounding this And now Michigan effectively is left trying to play spoiler here. That, I think, is going to be an unbelievable issue for them. And now the question becomes, what does Jim Harbaugh do? You are what you have created after five years. You've recruited every player. You have built the program in your image. And you have been unable to even win your division in the Big Ten East. Does Jim Harbaugh hang around making $7.5 million a year? going eight and four, nine and three, decent but never transcendent results and hope that one year he can have everything perfectly come together? Or does he bail and go back to the NFL? I think it's a really interesting question. And Michigan fans, like I'm not one of these people saying, oh, you got to fire him. You gotta, no, no, I don't think Michigan can do much better. And that's got to be the ultimate kick in the teeth to Michigan football fans. They got the best possible coach they could find literally the best that money could buy, and this is all they can accomplish after five years. I don't know what the outcome's going to be, but I kind of feel like Jim Harbaugh is going to bail and go back to uh, the NFL. But let me say this. If he bails going 0-5 against Ohio State and losing to Ryan Day, remember everybody said this is the year for Michigan. We've finally got a situation where everybody has, uh, has cleared out Columbus, they don't have Urban Meyer anymore. They don't have Dwayne Haskins. Brand new quarterback, and I think that Justin Fields is going to roll into town and just absolutely destroy them. I don't even think it's going to be competitive. I think it's going to be ugly for sure. So that is my thoughts on Jim Harbaugh. Props to James Franklin, Penn State, for putting themselves in the mix as they continue to roll. Somebody just said in the comments, what if he beats the Irish? Nobody cares. Nobody cares if Jim Harbaugh beats Notre Dame. I mean, I guess that's kind of a decent win, but you're out of the running in your conference. 
the expectations are not going to be bet. And now all, met, and all you can do now is probably play spoiler. Uh, that's a tough position to find uh, yourself in. He could at least beat Ohio State finally, but again, he would just be a spoiler then. I do think it would make it easier for him to leave if he finally beats Ohio State uh, at that point in time. All right, Tua. Biggest story in college football now for the next three weeks is what's going to happen with Tua after the injury that he suffered against Tennessee. Let me just pause here for a second. Officiating in the Tennessee-Alabama game and in the South Carolina and Florida game, I thought was absolutely inexcusable, indefensible, without justification, many of the calls, missed and totally blown calls across the board. And I got to say this, I'm not one of these guys who believes in conspiracies or anything else, but Alabama got every questionable call against Tennessee. And the official who who, who threw a flag on Tennessee's guy who hit the Bama quarterback and lightly tapped him, and then they stopped the play when Tennessee's lined up in the Wildcat. I mean, there is a lot of questionable stuff that went on uh, that made absolutely no sense in this game. Uh, and, and I'm talking about the same thing in Florida, South Carolina. Great thing about SEC football is the games are very often competitive. But just like the NFL, you have officials making calls that are unjustified and they are swinging the results and they're certainly swinging the gambling results very often. I just got to point that out. All right, let's go to Alabama. I have been saying for a substantial period of time that this year's Alabama football team is a 9-3 and or 10-2 and caliber team that Tua is papering over the differences on. In other words, if Alabama had their quintessential normal quarterback, Greg McElroy, even A.J. McCarron, certainly Blake Sims or Jacob Coker, this is a team that is going to lose three football games this year. The defense is young and not particularly talented. The wide receiving core is outstanding, but they can't run the football. The offensive and defensive lines are not Alabama-level elite. Tua papers over those differences. But Tua being out, Tua being out now and potentially not being 100% for LSU makes me think that as long as Joe Burrow stays healthy and LSU's got an absolute war coming up this weekend against Auburn, make no mistake about that. But if Joe Burrow is 100% and Tua's already had this procedure on his ankle and he's going to be out for Arkansas, I think there is a decent chance that Alabama is going to lose to LSU and they're going to lose on the road to Auburn. I think this is a 10-2 and Alabama team if Tua is not 100% healthy. Uh, I don't know what it spells going forward because when Tua leaves, is Alabama finally, after forever, going to begin to come back to the pack a little bit? I think that that actually is starting to occur. I think Tua has papered over Alabama. Now, to Nick Saban's credit, Saban is one of the few coaches who's never had a transcendent quarterback and has won anyway. Dabo obviously had Deshaun Watson, who's an all-everything college quarterback. Back in the day at Florida, uh, Urban Meyer had Tim Tebow. Most dynastic great coaches have had at least one dynastic quarterback. Finally, Saban has got a really good one in Tua, but I think Bama just average, just average without Tua. And I really believe that if Bama did not have Tua this year, 
This is a nine and three or ten and two football team that's nowhere near national championship caliber contention. Defense is average for Alabama in particular. Offensive line is average. Wide receiving core talent is extraordinary, but Tua makes it look even better than it actually is because you saw what happened when he went out. Alabama's explosiveness on offense went downhill in a hurry. Uh, all right, those are the biggest stories that are out there. Also, Wisconsin. I don't know what happened with Wisconsin. Stat that's crazy. Wisconsin lost this game to Illinois. I want to give you this stat because it's one of the most unbelievable I've seen so far this year. Wisconsin lost this game to Illinois despite the fact that Illinois didn't have a red zone snap the entire game. I want to repeat that for you. Illinois never drove the football down and actually had a single red zone snap. They scored three touchdowns, a 48-yarder, they scored a 43-yard run, and a 29-yard touchdown pass. Three busts, and Wisconsin fell apart in this game. That is pretty unbelievable ridiculous situation to find yourself in if you are Wisconsin to lose as a 31-point favorite. Also, what in the world's up with Georgia football? Georgia, I expected to come out against a Kentucky team with a wide receiver playing quarterback. We've seen that before, right? They can't throw the ball at all. I thought Georgia would come out and obliterate Kentucky. I got a lot wrong this weekend with the gambling picks, but that was one that I believed was going to be an absolute destruction. I didn't think it was going to be remotely close. I thought we were going to get a complete destruction of the Kentucky Wildcats by Georgia. They were awful. I don't know what's happened with Jake Fromm, but think about this for a minute. Jake Fromm beat out Jacob Eason, who's probably going to be a first-round quarterback. He beat out Justin Fields, who's probably going to be a first-round quarterback. And he threw for 35 yards. Now, I know it was rainy. I know the weather wasn't ideal. He threw for 35 yards in this game. Georgia didn't score until six and a half minutes were left in the third quarter against Kentucky. You want to play in an absolute monsoon? Run the damn ball. You've got an incredibly talented running back who is going to be, I think, a first-round caliber. This is going to be an absolute mess. I don't know if it's missing Jim Chaney. I don't know if it's just the offense not being capable uh, because there's issues at wide receiver and they lack explosiveness, but this is a messy situation for Georgia. And again, the stat that I told you last week, effectively, Mark Richt in his first three and a half years and Kirby Smart are the same dude. I will say this, Georgia is trending down based on what I've seen so far this year, and Florida is trending up under Dan Mullen. I'm not sure that Florida is going to be able to get it done in the cocktail party because I think Georgia is substantially more talented. But right now, based on the trend lines, I think Florida has a good chance to pull off this upset, and I never would have believed that that was possible at all based on what we have seen so far. All right, my top 10 in OutKick right now. And remember, I only rank teams based on what we've seen on the field, not based on what I expected to see before the season started. All right, I'm going to get to the NFL here in a minute. But my top 10 in college football right now, LSU's number one. I've got Ohio State number two. I've got Alabama number three. Oklahoma number four. Penn State five. Clemson six. Clemson hasn't played anybody. The ACC is a dumpster fire. 
anybody who's ranking Clemson any higher than six hasn't watched college football this year. Florida, seven. I've got Auburn, eight. Georgia, nine. Notre Dame, 10. And Oregon, I've got sliding in at the 11 spot. That's my outkick top 10, entirely related and reviewed based on what's happened on the field, not based on what I expected to see happen on the field, not based on what has occurred uh, that we expected to see, but what's actually occurred. All right, my playoff four, LSU, Ohio State, Alabama, and Oklahoma if the season were ending today. I also believe that the Heisman Trophy, my top four in the Heisman Trophy right now, Joe Burrow one, two a second, Justin Fields third, Jalen Hurts four. I believe that if Tua comes back healthy, whoever plays better and wins in the LSU-Alabama game, whether it's Tua or it's Joe Burrow, will be your Heisman Trophy winner this year. Jalen Hurts simply doesn't have a good enough schedule. There's nobody on the radar for Oklahoma. He's not going to get enough attention. He doesn't have the big signature Heisman moment, the big signature game. Uh, and Justin Fields does because Ohio State's got Wisconsin, they've got Penn State, and then they've got Michigan. And then they would play in the Big Ten title game if all that happened. So I think Justin Fields is in the mix. I believe Jalen Hurts will fade, notwithstanding the fact that his numbers are off the charts. That's the way that I would break down this scenario right now for the Heisman Trophy. SEC power rankings. Let me say this, by the way, too. Derek Mason looked like he was a dead coach walking. And then they managed to pull off, Vanderbilt did, a 21-plus point upset over Missouri. I don't understand what happened to Missouri in that game. I still am in shock that Vanderbilt won it and that Derek Mason managed to forestall what looked like his doom and losing that job. Uh, but as a result, my SEC power rankings, starting from the bottom, I've got Arkansas at 14. The Razorbacks, stat for you. Arkansas started in the last 20 SEC games. Arkansas is 1-19. Right now, uh, we've got a situation developing. Chad Morris is 0-12. He's trending towards 0-16 to start in the SEC. If that happened, then Arkansas in their 24 SEC games over three years would be 1-23. If you know a Razorback fan, please approach them and give them a big hug and say, I'm so sorry for what you're going through. It ain't fair to have Razorback fans have to live with this. I've got Arkansas, 14th best team in the SEC. I got Vanderbilt, 13. I didn't think anybody was going to uh, fall below Vanderbilt. I was wrong. I watched that Arkansas game against Auburn. Kentucky in the 12 spot. Mississippi State, 11. Tennessee, 10. Ole Miss, 9. Missouri, 8. A&M, 7. South Carolina, 6. I don't really know outside of the top five what the SEC pecking order is right now. Georgia, 5. Auburn, 4. Florida, 3. Alabama, 2. And uh, I have got LSU, number 1 overall. All right, That is the top 14 teams in the SEC. That is the breakdown. We will see how things adjust going forward. All right, time to pivot to the NFL. I don't know how many of you were watching. I was on an airplane flight to LA. My uh, One of my sons and my dad uh, were in our season tickets at the Titans game. Uh, and this is, I think, intriguing uh, in and of itself. 
I've never seen a game end like the Titans-Chargers game ended. I was on an airplane watching this uh, with spotty Southwest Wi-Fi trying to keep track of it all. If you didn't see the end of the scenario, uh, basically they awarded a touchdown twice to the Chargers, then took those touchdowns off when it emerged that they hadn't actually scored. We got a pass interference in the end zone, and it ended with a fumble recovered in the end zone by the Titans. Ryan Tannehill played well uh, at quarterback, made decisive decisions. Uh, I don't know that it really matters. Titans are an 8-8 eight and eight team, maybe 9-7 and seven for a fourth straight year, maybe 7-9. and nine. They're an average team in the NFL, okay? Uh, but for the Chargers, I do think the Chargers have to start to consider, are they moving on from Phillip Rivers uh, now that they fall into 2-5? and five? The trade deadline is October 29th. Could they unload some people like Melvin Gordon, guys that they know are going to leave now that they're effectively eliminated from playoff contention? Uh, I thought it was a total mess of a game. Uh, but the Titans found a way to win. They should beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Sunday uh, and would be back to 4-4 four and four on pace for 8-8, eight and eight, which is basically what they are, an 8-8 eight and eight team. Uh, the Chargers, I think it might be time to rebuild that roster. We know that the Bengals and the Dolphins are in the market for a quarterback in the draft this year. Is it possible that finally uh, the Chargers could make the decision to start to groom the heir apparent for Phillip Rivers? Maybe. Uh, other games. Aaron Rodgers was phenomenal. Five touchdowns, one rushing, six total touchdowns, perfect passer rating against the Raiders. He couldn't have been any better. Right now, in my opinion, there are three great transcendent quarterbacks currently playing. And there's no shot at Tom Brady. But I believe those quarterbacks are Aaron Rodgers, I believe Patrick Mahomes, and Russell Wilson. They can all three make throws that nobody else can make in football, right? Those three, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, and Patrick Mahomes. That's it, all right? Those are the three best quarterbacks by far in terms of being able to make throws that nobody else can make. Here is the challenge. Certainly, Brady's the greatest quarterback of all time. Nobody else, I don't think, is on their level. Deshaun Watson's right outside of it, maybe giving some indications that one day he might be able to ascend to that level. But Aaron Rodgers served evidence that he's still the sheriff, that he's still the best quarterback in the NFL, that he can still make plays that nobody else can, other than maybe Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes. That is the breakdown of that game. The Falcons have to fire Dan Quinn. I'm sorry, Atlanta area sports fans, that you have to put up with the awfulness that is the Atlanta Falcons. Matt Ryan's out with a sprained ankle. I feel bad for Matt Ryan because I feel like everything we talk about with his career is going to include the fact that his Falcons blew a 28-3 lead in the Super Bowl. And I feel like when he eventually retires, that's going to be the number one storyline that everybody talks about. And his life as a athlete would be totally different if they had just made decent coaching decisions down the stretch and hadn't blown it like they did. This will be and is, unfortunately, probably the first sentence of his biography as an athlete. And it would be so much different if he had won. I feel a little bit like that with Cam Newton. Uh, but unlike Cam, uh, they never had the position, the Panthers didn't, to win that Super Bowl in a dominant fashion. The 49ers, bad weather conditions in Washington. 
The 49ers are 6-0. and Jimmy Garoppolo, I feel like, has totally fallen off the radar. He's 16-2 and as a starting quarterback, and the Niners are undefeated. I'm not sure I buy into Jimmy G, but 16-2 and as a starting quarterback is a pr- pretty crazy statistic to be able to run out there. And so uh, that in and of itself is intriguing. The NFC is wide, wide open. The 49ers, 6-0, and have a chance, like a lot of NFC teams, to be down in Miami representing this conference, unlike the AFC, which is so top-heavy with the Patriots. There are a lot of teams in the NFC that I think can feel excited. Team that is also under the radar that hasn't gotten enough attention. How about Jacoby Brissett? and the Indianapolis Colts getting the win over Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans in the big divisional matchup in Indy. I, like a lot of you, believed that when Andrew Luck retired, the Colts season was effectively over. I didn't buy into Jacoby Brissett. I didn't believe in the talent surrounding the rest of the Colts. They have fought their way to 4-2. and They are overall the number one team in the AFC South, which is going to be a pretty competitive division. Could be possible that every team finishes 8-8 eight eight or better when you look at the way the schedules are set out. Uh, and right now, the Colts are the leaders in the clubhouse. They had a bye week coming off the win over the Chiefs. Got to give props to the Colts and Jacoby Brissett and what they have accomplished. Speaking of props, Kirk Cousins, since he got called out by Adam Thielen three weeks ago, has been on absolute fire with the Minnesota Vikings. Four touchdown passes again uh, yesterday. 42 points. He is dealing, finally playing like the player that they believed they were signing to that $80 million plus contract. Cousins is on fire, and the Vikings look like a big-time contender legitimately to win the NFC along with a lot of other teams. Now, I know Thielen has the hamstring issue, but Stephon Diggs is making plays. Dalvin Cook, I mean, that is an explosive offense, and I think that could be uh, a, a sleeper pick right now among a lot of NFC teams that can contend. Uh, the Jags and the Bengals, I don't even have anything to say about that. Gardner Minshew gets his team to three wins. Cardinals and the Giants, Kyler Murray beats Daniel Jones and has solidified himself alongside maybe Josh Jacobs. We'll see how the season goes on for him as the NFL offensive MVP in a big way. Uh, the Bills, I still don't know whether the Bills are good enough to be a legitimate team that can win a game in the postseason, but they are now 5-1. and one. If you look at the next four games for the Bills, they're going to get to at least nine wins. They are close to locking up one of the AFC's wildcard spots, even assuming uh, that they come in second behind the New England Patriots in the AFC East. Teddy Bridgewater and the Saints, one of the truly great stories in all of sports. For Teddy to win five in a row as the backup for Drew Brees, and to do it in the fashion that he has is phenomenal to watch. I love everything about the Teddy Bridgewater story, the fact that he came back from such a disabling knee injury, that he has come in and won five in a row for the Saints is one of the best stories that's out there at all. you got to make sure that you absolutely love what this team is doing. For Bears fans, I feel like this is going to be Mitch Trubisky's story for a long time. Bear fans traded up to get Mitch Trubisky in a draft where Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes were available. That is going to be on the mind of Bear fans for a decade or more into the future. You guys traded up for Mitch Trubisky when you could have traded down and gotten Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Watson. That's tough. You're always connected to the quarterbacks in your draft, 
but to be the guy who went first overall at quarterback in that draft and have Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes come after you is a tough spot to find yourself in. Now, I understand the Ravens got the win over the Seahawks. I am not, and I'm going to talk about this on the radio show some tomorrow, I'm still not a Lamar Jackson believer. He is an incredible transcendent talent at quarterback. But I have seen this script before. I saw it with Tim Tebow. I saw it with Vince Young. I saw it with RG3. You can't make a living in the NFL running the football. Sooner or later, NFL defenders break you. And somebody is going to break Lamar Jackson. He's a transcendent talent. I want a lot of money betting on him with Louisville. I enjoy watching him play. But the NFL is ultimately a passer league. you got to drop back in the pocket, and on third and eight, when everybody knows that you are passing, you have to be able to deliver the ball at the right place, at the right time, in order to be able to succeed on a playoff level. And you saw last year what happened when Lamar Jackson got into the playoffs. They have a bye week, and then I think they play the Patriots, and I think you'll see happen to Lamar Jackson what happens when he goes up against truly elite defenses. When he gets down, his team can't win. When they get behind, because they are a run-first team, ultimately, in order to take the next step, you have to be a passer who you can rely on on third and eight. Three best passers in the league, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes. On third and eight, everybody knows they're throwing it, and they still make plays. That is what you have to be able to do for me to consider you to be an elite passing quarterback and an elite quarterback overall. Uh, and then finally, my God, the Eagles said that they were going to come into Big D, win, and take the division lead. Instead, Dak Prescott and the Cowboys met him with a two-by-four and knocked it upside their face. That was a beatdown, the likes of which... I haven't seen in the NFC East in a long time. I know the Cowboys have lost three games in a row. I know it was an ugly situation for them. But they looked like the class of the NFC East yesterday. Complete embarrassment that was put on in that beatdown for the Eagles. Eagles in trouble. In real trouble in that division and in this league. Fly, Eagles, fly was not a chant that very many Eagles fans were sharing on Sunday night. Cowboys with the huge win. Dak outplays Carson Wentz. All right. Love you guys. My name is Clay Travis. This has been Outkick the Show. DBAP unless you need to SBAP. I'm headed over to the Fox lot. I'm out in LA. May do a special show tomorrow late night if you guys are awake and you want to put a pin in it. I'm going to be going to the Lakers-Clippers game Uh, to go watch LeBron and Kawhi debut in L.A. I will be at that game tomorrow out here. I'm hoping, fingers crossed, that they play the Chinese national anthem for LeBron James when they introduce him. It's a Clippers home game there in the Staples Center. Uh, Love all of you guys. My name is Clay Travis. This has been Outkick the Show. Uh, No matter where you are, DBAP, unless you need to SBAP, I will see you guys. This has been Outkick the Show. Watch us unlock it in later today. See y'all. Bye.